Good morning, church. As Rana said, my name is Michelle, and I'm a member here at Shofar Bosch, for those of you who don't know me. If you haven't seen me around, it's because I mainly attend the evening service. So this morning, I'm going to speak to you about connecting with people with who you have absolutely nothing in common with. So it's only natural for us to gravitate towards people with who you have a lot in common. Maybe you share the same culture, the same home language, the same religion, whatever it may be, it's easier to build relationship um, with people with who you share something. Well, at least if I'm being honest, for me it is. Um, so growing up, going to school, and even during my years at, uni- at university, I've realized that most of my friends, we all grew up in Afrikaans homes um, with the principles of Christianity, so we shared the same values, we shared the same religion. <laughs> I'm not used to the babies crying at church, <laughs> so I'm trying to keep my focus. <laughs> um, and it's almost like in friendships like those, where you have so much in common, you can skip a few steps because you have that common ground. It's like if friendship was a race, you can start somewhere in the middle, skip a few kilometers because you trained well or something. I know it's a bad analogy because you start a race in the middle, but in my mind, it makes sense. And, uh, but if you don't have that common ground, you would need to start from the beginning and make up some groundwork before you get to that middle part. Um, so, yeah, so went to school, went to university, and then when I started working, I started working in the creative industry, and I walked into a work environment where I was suddenly the one who didn't fit in, where I felt like I had nothing in common with my colleagues. We had different beliefs and worldviews, different morals. Um, we spoke different home languages even different ages. I was quite a bit younger than most of them. Um, And even the terminology and the lingo that they used were things that I was not used to. Um, To give you an example of that, I met my one colleague and then we were making a little bit of small talk and he asked me where I live. So I told him I live in Pineland. Um, And then he said, yeah, he once considered moving there, but then he decided against it because it's a dry area. I was very confused. (laughs) Um, So I told him, I don't think it's that dry, you know. It it just rained a little bit the day before yesterday. And he just burst out laughing. And he told me, darling, I'm talking about alcohol. So (laughs) what I didn't know back then, but what I know now, is that a dry area means that they're not allowed to sell alcohol in the area. So... (laughs) That's just to give you an idea of how out of my element I was within this group of people. Um, And then I was faced with a choice that I had to make. I could either go to work every day, kind of keep my head down, keep to myself, keep it all professional, do my work, do it well, and then go home. Or I could go to work every day, do my work, do it well, and around a lunch table with my colleagues, um, laugh over some jokes at the coffee counter, have drinks after work, connect with them on a little bit a deeper level than just the work surface. Um, And for those of you who know me a little bit might know or might guess that I decided to take door number two. So I decided to try and connect with my colleagues and 
it wasn't always easy, and I didn't always feel comfortable, but in the end, it was so worth it. And I realized that if for me, being an, an extrovert and a people person, if it was so difficult, I can just imagine how challenging this could be for somebody who does not necessarily crave human interaction the way I do. Um, but it's definitely worth it. So this morning I want to look at two things. I'm going to speak about the how and the why. So first of all, how do you connect with people with who you have nothing in common? Um, I'm not going to dwell on this too long because I believe it's going to look different for in different situations and between different people. Um, but I'm just going to give you a few hacks, as Kenny would say, just to help you along the way. But what I really want to get to is the why, because if you don't understand the why, you won't be motivated to go through the trouble of the how. Um, so how do you connect with people with who you have nothing in common? Hack number one, the art of small talk. <laughs> so I'm sure all of you just love making small talk. <laughs> I myself am no expert, but I think I'm not too bad at it when the mood strikes. <laughs> <laughs> so as the unofficial, un unofficial expert, I'm just going <laughs> to give you some ideas. Um, first of all, be interested in the person. Ask questions. Formulate your questions in such a way that they can't just give you a yes or no answer. When asked a question, don't just give them a simple yes or no answer. For instance, maybe they ask you if you like cheese. Oh, yes, I love cheese. You know what? Once I went to the Netherlands and we visited the small town called Edom, you know, Edom cheese, and there was this cheese market and they had all the different shapes and flavors that you can imagine, and it was amazing. Have you ever been to Europe? Oh, really? That's amazing. Whereabout have you been? So then you kind of, you know, you build on the conversation like that. And then you listen what they have to say and you respond with more comments and questions. And wait, here comes the tricky part. You remember what they said. <laughs> and then that remembering can also offer you a platform for your next conversation. Your colleague maybe told you that she had three kids. Next time you see her, you ask her about the children. If you remember their names, it's a bonus. <laughs> So, moving on swiftly to hack number two, be yourself. Don't try to act in a way or be somebody else that you think would better be able to fit into the crowd. Just be who you are, and especially don't compromise on your morals and your values because you think it's going to make you more accepted. Um, and also not because you think that the people will feel more comfortable around you if you act a certain way. Um, but also in the same breath, make an effort to integrate. If you move to a different country, learn the language, learn about the culture, and respect that culture. If you start a new work or attend a new church, go to the social gatherings, go to the events. I know you might think, oh, it's going to be super awkward, I'm going to stand around, have nobody to talk to, don't know what to say. Just go and, you know, you'll eventually get over the awkward part. Um, give people a chance to know who you really are, not who you think they want you to be, but who you are, and they might surprise you. Okay, so the third and final hack is that there is always something, just find it. There's always, no matter how obscure it might be, there's always 
some form of common ground that you can find and you can use it to build on. Maybe you have the same favorite color. Maybe you both like mini donuts. Maybe you once ate at the same restaurant in town and you both loved it. Just find that little bit of common ground and then use it and build from that. So now let's talk about the why. Why is this important? Why should I make an effort to do, go through small talk if I really don't enjoy it? Why should I try and remember this person's birthday if I don't really feel a connection with this person? Um, and there are so many reasons for this. It's, it's really, I believe it goes much deeper than what I can actually share with you this morning. But hopefully I just get those ideas going, you know. I get you thinking about it. I inspire you a little bit. Um, so first of all, from a biblical perspective, I believe that if you connect with different cultures and different types of people, you get to know a little bit more of who God is and you see a bit more of his character because he created all of us. So I believe in every culture and in every person, there is in some way something of who he is. And the more you expose yourself to the diff different types, you know, you'll see it from more different angles and you'll just find out so much more. Also, if you get to know people, you learn to love them. Um, you can't love somebody if you don't know them. You learn to love them the way Jesus loves them and the way God wants you to love them. And you can't get to this kind of love from a distance. So even if you look at this concept of connecting with people so different from yourself, um, from, through a lens that's not shaped by the Bible, you can still see so many benefits in it. Um, for you personally, there'll be so much growth and development. You'll be able to grow in your own ideas and shape your own opinions and learn how to motivate those ideas and opinions. I believe this and this and this, not because it's the way I brought up and it's what my parents told me and it's what my friends tell me, but because, you know, yes, it's what they said, but I've lived it, I've experienced it, I've thought this through, I've wrestled with it and I understand the concepts. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to <laughs> admit that when I started working, there were so many aspects of what I believe or the morals that I stand for that people asked me about because they were curious. They they also haven't met anybody like me before, necessarily. I was the only one working there that was a Christian and with a certain set of morals that I had. And so many questions were asked that I couldn't properly answer, I'm ashamed to say, um, just simply because nobody's ever asked me those questions. I've only surrounded myself by people who believe the same thing, so it was never challenged before. So it was a great opportunity to also develop my own thoughts. You also, when you connect with other people, you understand better why they do the things they do, why they say the things they do. Um, yeah, you get to know the people, you get to understand their actions and their way of thinking. And through that, you also grow in compassion. You become a more compassionate person towards other people and just in life. Um, so, and these things are only even speaking about how much you can grow personally and develop personally, this is not even touching on the positive impact that you will have on the person with who you connect. Um, so, you know, you, that's a whole different area that you can delve into. But this was short and sweet, all the wisdom that I have to share with you this morning. I believe that this is the kind of topic where you actually need to go out and live it. You need to live it 
to under, really understand it, to really grasp it. And as you live it, the how will become easier and the why will become more apparent. My mouth tends to dry up, so I'm going to drink water before I start. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Blessing. And yeah, thanks, Michelle, for setting me up because I'll be talking about intentional living. Um, for the past year and a half, I've been living with uh, four other people with the intention of being um, intentional with each other, with our lives and shaping each other into the image that God has, has for us. Uh, but this, for me, was really birthed out of a frustration um, I love missions. I've been to about seven of them in the past five years. Um, and when you go on missions, you, you really experience God in a different way. Uh, you experience people in a different way. You get to, see, get to see God in a different context. But my biggest frustration was like the connection that I had with the people that I went on missions with when I got back home. Um, it wasn't there. It wasn't the same, rather. And my lifestyle as well, when I got back, wasn't... Um, I wasn't living out the intentions that I had when I was on a mission. So, for mission for me, it seemed like it was an event. Doesn't so it's something that you do for two weeks in a year, but like the rest of the year, like my life is not really changing. So I was really frustrated by by that. So I think the past year and a half, I I stopped on going on short term missions. Not that I don't want to or don't like it, but I was just frustrated by the fact that my intentions were not lived out daily. Um, I learned like. That when you're in a mission, there's three things that are important. That, um, that one is that you're vulnerable, that you're intentional, and that you have community. Uh, and when you're back home, you don't have those things. Maybe like, at least one of them at, at a time, but you don't have them all at once. Um, so just a bit, a bit of context. At the beginning of the, this year, um, Theresa May, the Prime Minister of the UK, uh, instituted a Ministry of Loneliness, right? And you would think in an age that we live in of like the, the digital age where you can like swap left and right and get a life partner or like have thousands of friends on, on Facebook, people wouldn't feel so lonely. Um, the World Health Organization say that uh, the effects of loneliness are as bad as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And Simon Aker, the psychologist, says, he studies the social connection. He says social connection is one of the greatest predictors of happiness and how long you will live. It is as good a predictor as uh, obesity, heart disease, or smoking. So we can see that the people that lack uh, social connection tend to live um, shorter lives than those that, that have. Um, just like in our backyard here at UCT, in the past two years, We've seen like suicide rates double. And Sunday Times last year reported that uh, 2017 there were about six suicides. And in 2016 there were about three. And it's just the people that we interact with on a daily, on a daily basis. Um, and I know personally in my life, I went through a very difficult time. And like 2015 it was... At the time I didn't know that it was, de- it was depression. But I knew, for me it was a long time coming because I lost my mom when I was 15. 
and never really dealt with that pain and um, suffering that I, I endured at that time. And so I just like decided just to focus on my studies, and I did well in that. So I, I felt okay. I'm okay. I don't I don't need to deal with this. But it was uh, just within community in 2015 I was able to to deal with it. I was offered a space to be vulnerable. I remember it was like with Matthew Yash and and Reno in that room there. And I, like I started, like we revisited my childhood and I cried. I felt like I was crying for hours. Uh, but it was good uh, in that I was offered a space to be, to be vulnerable and it was in community that I was, my life was in front of people. This, I guess they saw the worst of me at that day and it was good for me because I was able to, to heal. But not a lot of people have, have that. We're so privileged to, to be surrounded by people that we can um, have the space to be vulnerable. Uh, coming back to why I stopped doing missions, so 2017, uh, Matthew, Karina, myself, and Mike and Simone decided to live together. Uh, the t- the t- so I live with two married couples. I'm single. Um, and that's interesting on its own, right? But uh, our intentions was we... So how it works is like on a Monday morning, we, we wake up, go to six, and we pray for each other for the week. On Tuesday nights, we have dinner together. And, and we, you can see that with that, like our lives are constantly in front of each other. Like your character is sort of naked in front of people. Like you're not, um, it's so easy like to, to, to put some makeup and go to work to make yourself look better. But like at your house, you can't do that, right? Like if you're having a bad day, you're having a bad day and you have to talk about it with people. Um, and I think a lot of people, that's when people disconnect when it gets there because it's just too much. It feels like you're in a, a continuous like intervention with people. Uh, but, uh, but it's good for us, I think. And um, the more we, we connect with people, the more we, um, we ourselves get better. Um, Simon Aker, as I mentioned, he studies the social connectivity. He wrote a book on Beyond Happiness. And in the book, he speaks about a study that was done in in Virginia. The two researchers had participants look at a hill that they were about to, to climb. And the people that were, uh, when they're standing alone, they saw the hill 30% steeper than it actually is. Than when they brought someone who was going to hike with them. So what they got out of the study is that like, um, your perception of reality is shaped by the people that you, you surrounded with. Now, that's powerful, and I think it was Jim Rowan who said, you are the average of five people you spend the most time with, right? Now, it gets you thinking about, like, who am I spending most of my time with, right? And that's a different um, conversation on its own. Um, in the same study, or a similar study they did, or it was on heart diseases. They saw that heart diseases follows the same trend as its flu, as a flu outbreak, but it's odd because you don't get heart attack from shaking people's hands. But you do get like, flu from shaking people's hands. But like, what they realize is that people's lifestyles will be mirrored by other people. So what I was eating and what Matthew was eating was pretty much the same. And it's just like this hidden power of connectivity that I get influenced by people that are two degrees away from me. And, and we also, we've, we've experienced this. Like, we remember if you spend time with people that are negative, you pick it up. You pick up the negativity. Same thing on the positive side. If you spend time with people that are very positive, you also tend to be um, positive. So for me, this, this idea of intentional living has, 
uh, help me to uh, live out my intentions for people, that I'm able to, to serve people on a daily basis, not just on a Sunday or a, or a Wednesday, but continually my life is before people and people can have an input uh, on my life. And also, I think what I want to share with you is the power of community. And I think for us, it's sort of like I'm preaching to, you, to the choir because you're all here. But there's like thousands of people that do not have community. And as also Michelle was saying, if we are intentional with our lives, um, we can bring people into community. And I'd like to end off with this story. Um, oh, before that. I, I, I shared earlier that I had a, went through a difficult time of uh, depression. I only actually found out that I was actually depressed when I did a psychometric test for, for work. I, I, like, a psychologist like, called me and was like, ah, we need to talk. Uh, but, uh, so, but it was, yeah, I was able to deal with that, um, thankfully, because of community. At the same time, I also had like, um, suicidal thoughts. And it was quite weird for me because this was my last year of, of engineering. And like, you would think, like, my whole life, I have been working to get to this point in my life. I should be happy, right? I'm about to finish. But I, I was busy contemplating suicide. And I remember one day I was just walk, I was walking home and uh, I was having a conversation with Jesus. So asking him, like, is there any good reason why I shouldn't take, take my life? And I heard him distinctly tell me, uh, I must remember the good things that he's done for me. And as I was meditating, well, spoiler alert, I didn't, I didn't kill myself. But uh, as, as I was like, meditating on the, the good things that God has, has done in my life, I couldn't find any reason uh, to do it. And I think that relationship literally that I had with Jesus, or that I have with him, literally saved me. And, and, and the, the vulnerability that I was offered within community also helped a long way to, to bring healing in my life. Um, and the story that I want to end off with this was, is um, during hurricane season in the, the islands in the Atlantic, um, the National Geographic did a um, research. They found out there were tree, two types of trees. There were trees that when the hurricane came, they would get blown up and it just, it's a whole mess. And there were trees that stand they withstand the, the hurricane and all the strong, the strong ways that come with it. Um, and what they found out that, that the roots were, were thick and were deep within the ground. Not only that, but they interlock with neighboring trees. And I think that's what I'll leave with you, is like how, how deep are your social uh, roots? How interlocked are you with the people around you? Thank you.